Welcome everybody to the ninth episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jerome. Hi. So today we're going to do another episode of the Science Behind and we're going to talk about the science behind marathon running. Super interesting subject. So let's start. So, Jaron. Yeah. You are a runner. Yes. I am definitely not. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Very much agreed. And uh, you are actually planning on running a marathon, right? Yes, the TCS Amsterdam Marathon in October. And you've already started training and you have this extensive training schedule and you try to do uh, everything right. Yes, so I'm five weeks into my training schedule. Uh, it's a 16-week training schedule and I gave myself a... So it it just doesn't line up perfectly with the marathon. So I actually have like a two weeks in between in case, I don't know, if I feel a little bit of an injury or something or uncomfortable or, you know. Okay. And what makes you crazy enough to try and do this? Um, well, I mean, it's the marathon, right? It's the big running thing challenge. Yeah, it's a big running challenge. It's the one with the name. Like everything else is a half marathon or, you know, just a 10K. And there's quite a big, yeah, history when it comes to the marathon and even a legend. Mm, okay, well, we'll hear more about that after after the reading part, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I am excited to be making this this episode because what I'm really interested in is is this... Is it actually healthy to run a marathon, you know? Mm-hmm. Exercising is healthy, but isn't the marathon a little bit extreme or something? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still think it's healthy, right? To a certain extent. I mean, yeah. I, it, I It's more that I think that if you've trained for a running a marathon, then you must, I would assume that you probably have to be healthy. Sure. So, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know if exactly running a marathon might be healthy, but I guess we'll find out, right? Yes. And, uh, Jeron, why are you interested in uh, reading about the marathons? Well, I'm running one, so obviously I'd like to find out uh, more about it. And maybe there are publications available that talk about different training, like different types of exercises that should be more implemented a little bit more or how to improve yeah nutrition or these kinds of things that you know give me a little bit of an edge uh, especially in my 16 to 18 week uh, time period i don't have that much time to optimize everything so every every little advantage i can get in that time period helps yeah would be interesting let's see what we can find yes so uh let's dive into this research So that was interesting. Yes, we that are was very a lot, enlightened. A lot of, lot of papers. Not exactly what I expected. And for you? Yeah, I mean, 
there are some benefits, but I guess we'll get to the long laundry list of drawbacks. Uh, yeah, there are quite a lot more negatives about marathon runner than running than I even expected. And I even already thought that it wasn't the most healthy thing in the world. But um, let's start with what a, what a marathon actually is. What, what are the rules? Well, that uh, depends on exactly what time period you're looking at, because a marathon has not always been, well, a marathon. So right now, and for the last almost 100 years now, a marathon is defined as 42 kilometers, a run that's uh, 42 kilometers and 195 meters long. But that's only since 1924 that it's been official that way, that uh, the marathon distance is supposed to be that. That's also a weird distance. Yes. And the reason for that, so that has to do to a certain extent, maybe like let's start with the origins of the marathon. So. Uh, if you remember, I said there's a legend associated with the marathon, and that has to do with this person called Pheidippides. And it's said that he had to run from marathons to Athens, Greece, uh, to deliver news of a victory of the Battle of Marathon. But so he had to run that distance, and roughly that distance should equate to about 42 kilometers, give or take, 40, 42. Okay. So... And the legend goes that after running that entire distance, he delivered the news, said that the the battle had been won, and then uh, died. Oh. (laughs) That's basically how the entire legend is. And I think there's even a statue. uh, That already doesn't sound healthy. (laughs) No. And of course, we being the humans that we are, uh, dedicated an entire event to his failure surviving a marathon. Oh. Yeah. And now... Even old ladies and, you know, people of all walks in li- of life uh, do marathons uh, to sort of, I don't know, spit in the face of Pheidippides that he died at it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I can do it while you can, couldn't. We didn't die. <laughs> we are the survivors. <laughs> you hope, at least. Yes. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's basically like how the marathon got started. And like, uh, because it's such a challenging thing, it was picked up in the first Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it it basically was that like I think the first ever Olympics was only forty um, ish kilometers, and every time it was hosted somewhere else, that uh, the the hosting thing, hosting country could essentially change it to just make it from point A to point B. So it had a little bit of wiggle room that it wasn't always the exact same length. Okay, but approximately. Yes, so it could be less than 40 kilometers and it could go go up to as high as 42 kilometers and 700 meters, give or take. And it was only in like the 1908 Olympics that it became official at 42, 195. Uh, And that was because officially it was supposed to end like uh, around 42 kilometers. But they wanted it to end right in front of the palace, which was another, an additional almost 200 meters. So they extended it to that. And then that became the official number. And then by 1924, it really became official. And every marathon in the Olympics, at least, and every marathon from there did that. So it's now 42 kilometers and, and a hundred. Sorry? And a bit. And 195 meters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a marathon and that's sort of like the history of the marathon uh, how it got started i guess okay dark yeah we're, yeah. we're all just making fun of Pheidippides, so yes so um well let's start with the benefits i guess i mean of course you need you need good exercise mm-hmm. good good 
muscles and everything for it. So yeah, you don't are, you don't want to be fidipides. You don't want to. You don't want to be fidipides. <laughs> I think that's the you main don't, thing. Yeah. Okay. That that's yeah. I can see that. Learn from his mistake. Uh, so I mean, the the exercising part must definitely be healthy, right? You you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you need to train for a marathon. Like every now and then, I've come across like. YouTube videos where someone always puts in the title like I train I did a marathon without training or with very limited training and oh, that's not that's so unhealthy. Yeah, but it's also spreading the wrong message that like you know like the marathon is this stress test of showing how healthy you are but I think people often take for granted the amount of yeah training and effort and hard work that needs to go before you do the marathon in a healthy way yes and not just like just training but also optimizing everything like your nutrition uh yeah yes yeah yeah and some good things that i also read in papers were that uh, the resting heart rate goes down because mm-hmm. you're fitter of course your your blood pressure goes down uh you get these endorphins that are really uplifting for your mood and it can even help against depression sometimes and it, it mm-hmm. improves mental health and also that uh, training for a ma- marathon reverse aortic stiffening that occurs naturally with aging, mm-hmm. but that's uh, also a really healthy thing to get. Yeah, and then maybe coming back to like that reduced heart rate, though, there is sort of like this biological, really biological explanation for why it drops. And that literally just has to do with if you train above a certain amount weekly and consistently, your heart just sort of automatically adapts to that and sort of becomes bigger. So it can pump bigger and stronger and it can pump more blood. So instead of needing, instead of like your baseline heart pumping, let's say, I don't know, 80 to 100, you have a bigger heart now that could pump that same amount, same amount at rest. So you can go down to a heart rate of like, I don't know, below 60 even. Hmm. So it's just quote unquote, you have a bigger heart and this is sort of known as the athletic heart syndrome. But that's not necessarily a bad thing then. No, no. It's just basically you just have a bigger, stronger heart. And yeah, your heart rate goes down because of that. Because you just have a bigger heart that can pump blood more efficiently, as it were. But all of these these good things are also things that you get with a 10-kilometer run or a 16-kilometer run. Or at least, yeah. at least good training. Yeah, but that's also the thing, right? Like uh, while we were trying to look at uh, specifically running... Uh, publications, publications that looked at marathons or other types of runs. I, I think with the marathon and even like the half marathon or God forbid, the uh, ultra marathon, those are sort of the ones that the big ones that people like to, I guess, scientists like to look at because they are like yeah, the ultimate stressors. So there's more publications on them. Yeah, there's not a lot about 10 kilometer runs. No, exactly. Example. You won't no. find like anyone, any particular uh, publication that just says like, if you run 10 kilometers, you know, you see these and these at, at the end of the 10 kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely think that running uh, can be healthy mm-hmm. in moderation. Mm-hmm. And like I said in the intro, I think a marathon might be pushing it a bit too far. Mm-hmm. And from what I've been reading, that might actually be true. Yeah. It might just be pushing it a tiny bit too far in terms of marathon. No, I agree. Like there are definitely all the benefits that you listed. It's possible that you already get them at half marathon or even lower, right? Mm. Or if you just sort of optimize. Or if you consistently train, it's just just exercising that's healthy, right? Yeah. 
I don't think I I couldn't really find a beneficial effect that's marathon specific. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in the research, I agree, I agree that that most papers like to like to focus on the on the longer distances and not on what the health benefits of just just normal running are, mm-hmm. which is sad, I think, because for most hobby runners, mm-hmm. I think the lower distances are a bit more doable and yeah, a, exactly. a, a bit more healthy also. Yeah, but I also think about it like, obviously the marathon is the one that has the name and everything else is sort of relative to the marathon, like an ultra marathon is anything above a marathon, half marathon, you know, 21 kilometers and something. So it's easier for people to wrap their brains around like the marathon versus anything else because quote unquote everyone should or can technically do a 10 kilometers and it depends Mm. on your degree of fitness what might actually be the the effects that you see whereas with a marathon or ultra marathon or something like that that's sort of pushing you to your extremes it's it's more about surpassing your limits Mm. than about healthiness because it's not that healthy but i think at this point we should get into why it isn't all that healthy to run a marathon and I have quite a long list. I know you also have one. Mm-hmm. So shall we just start at the top of my list? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So the first thing I wrote down here is, well, let's start with something simple, like losing toenails. That's quite a quite a thing that happens. Not very pretty, but also not very dangerous. No, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know to what extent that only happens in marathons. I definitely remember doing a 16 kilometer run where my toenails turned blue. So mm, I think yeah true. I think that might also have to do uh, uh, might have to do with the surface that you're running with how good your shoes are how well trained you are so yeah. maybe that's not exclusive to the marathon though but definitely not a fun experience no then I've also written down the chance of frequent injuries mm-hmm. and also wear and tear of your joints just because the long repetitive motion that you do of this of this running mm-hmm. it really tears down on your joints and of course the longer you run the longer distances the wear the worse this gets yeah and of course like you like I think people often overlook the different kinds of muscles and ligaments you actually have in your legs so at a certain point if you just sort of keep escalating your training you can always just one muscle there's no one that runs perfectly no one is like this natural gifted perfect runner with perfect form that doesn't overpronate or uh, supinate a little bit or have some kink in their running uh, running yeah mm-hmm. style so if you don't slowly build up chances are you're just gonna encounter an injury and especially at something like a marathon uh, that's probably going to be the longest distance a lot of people has have ever run mm-hmm. so Odds are you're going to see it there, either during training or in the marathon itself. Yes. And and that's something you can, of course, help with, like, good shoes and good good training and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's also not something you can totally avoid. No, I mean, obviously, like, a ton of runners, like, again, the entire point of, like, a marathon is sort of you're kind of pushing yourself to that limit. Like, uh, you're trying to... F- and over it. Yes, to a certain extent. Um, so you're constantly trying to see, figure out like what really is your limit. And oftentimes in, even in training, especially when you get to closer, the closer you are to that actual marathon, where often even my training, for example, that's going to be the peak of your training volume. You're going to do the most of your yeah, mileage there. So you're going to see injuries. Mm, yeah. But also the wear and tear on your joints. That's, that's yeah. not something you can, 
I mean, you you need to take enough rest days. That's mm. definitely important for that. But yeah, it's it's just yeah, not something you can completely avoid, I guess. No, I mean it. It can just happen at a certain point if you're not careful, or you don't take take it easy a little bit. Okay, the next thing I have is that it actually slows down your metabolism because your body becomes so effective at using the energy it has mm-hmm. that losing weight gets more difficult. And for all the people who are trying to lose weight by running a marathon, go for a short distance. Mm. But also, I've uh, if you remember like that meeting that I went to, uh, that diabetes meeting, mm-hmm. there was actually a presentation on the different types of training uh, plans and which one would actually be effective for losing weight and also improving VO2 max, which I think we'll get into a little bit maybe later in uh, how that relates to sort of marathon performance. But endurance training in and of itself doesn't actually help with weight loss. That's been shown. Like it, it does help to a certain extent, but you can get significantly better things by training less and just more intensely with like high interval training, for example. So if your goal is to lose weight, I wouldn't actually really recommend endurance training or like doing runs, for example, like this. But do you think, or well, you can run in intervals too, of course. Yeah. So you can you can use running, but, yeah, yeah, but, but then, don't do the marathon. Yeah, exactly. Like do it with the, I mean, if you could run for 30 minutes with high interval training, get better results if like your focus was weight loss and overall just improving your VO2 max as efficiently as possible then I would just do high-intensity interval training, save yourself some time, and, yeah, get the results you want. Yes, yeah, I agree. There's absolutely no reason to do a marathon to lose weight. No, but it's often a thing that people understand and strive towards, and, Mm -hmm. yeah. The next thing I have here on my list is a bit more uh, a science topic, Mm -hmm. and that is that because these 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 runs take quite a long time and your muscles uh, run through a lot of energy production mm-hmm. you get a lot of um, reactive oxygen species mm-hmm. and these reactive oxygen species have then a lot of different effects uh they can for example damage your muscles uh and also uh they have shown in a paper in 2016 that you get real dna damage in your muscles but also in your lymphocytes and they measured this in amateur runners the, mm. who did a marathon and they had they had this DNA damage and lymphocyte damage, which is of course risky. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't really read anything about an increased chance of cancer or anything in in runners, but it's definitely something that, that hurts your body and that you need to recover from. Yeah. Although I I think you would need quite a few runners and Quite a large data set to really see that, though. Uh, I also don't think people really, like, measure that. No, but I mean, in terms of just getting a large data set of runners, that's, quote-unquote, relatively easy because everyone sort of registers for marathons. And if you can get information on, like, people from the organizers, that's that's great. Like, it, we came across a paper at a certain point that had access to ten mil, over 10 million runners over 12 years of like different runs so you can get data but then you know there's no connection to did these people develop cancer over that period or you know Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i I don't know if they if anybody ever looked at that yeah um and another thing that these reactive oxygen species can do is they can react with the cholesterol in your blood and actually increase plaque formation so instead of this being a this running being a heart healthy thing, it then suddenly becomes a thing that's not so healthy for you. 
Yeah, so there we have some contradiction, I guess, with like the potential for atherosclerosis, but also the improvement to aortic stiff, uh, stiffening and aging. Well, that's not that's not necessarily the same thing because no, no, one course, one no. thing is your muscles working in mm. your aorta, and the other thing is the cholesterol really accumulating in your vessel walls, of course. So, yeah, yeah. I think it can go. I think it can go both. Then you have an increased chance of heart arrest during the running, especially if you already are at risk. Well, mostly if you are already at risk for some reason, which you might not know, mm-hmm. you have a, a really higher chance of going into heart arrest during the run because your heart is already working super hard. And they also found that if you are not completely 100% up ready for this marathon, you can actually damage your heart by pushing through your barrier and everything. Mm -hmm. And that might take up to three months to recover, which is quite intense because you see quite often people running marathon that in hindsight weren't really ready. And that that's not good for you. It's not something you can just just push through and then in the end you will be okay. Because according to the research you can really do some damage. It will it will recover. But you don't really want that, in my opinion. I mean, it killed Fedipity, so, you know. Yeah. That it has some potential risk for your heart, indeed, doesn't really surprise me in that, in that sense, I guess. No. So very important, very, very important message. Don't start a marathon untrained or unready. Yeah. Very important. Do you have uh, any other drawbacks? Otherwise, I, I still have quite oh, okay. a few to go through, actually. Okay, well. So, apparently, this, this really increased training schedule can also lead to a chronically increased cortisol level, which then results in uh, a lower metabolism, resulting in weight gain, fatigue, and also a lower immune function. Your immune system is weakened, so you're more susceptible to illness. So it's very important to not go running if you don't feel 100% in your tra- during your training. And that sometimes it might actually be better to just skip the run when you're not feeling 100%. Because if you're doing this high-intensity training, you are more susceptible to illness. And uh, also, if you know that you have been exposed to something contagious, be careful with that. Um, it can also uh, cause, for example, out-of-whack menstrual cycles for women... Um, and it, during the running, it has some effect on your sugar levels and your digestive system. That's actually why you need it mm-hmm. to, uh, do that. But if you, if you train for a marathon, you, you do run the risk of having chronically increased cortisol levels. And that then of course is not a good thing anymore because then it has the side effect. Mm-hmm. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers, 
Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Uh, then I also have here that the repetitive motions uh, can cause muscular, muscular damage. It's not only direct for oxygen species, but also the repetitive motion that, of course, over 42 kilometers adds up can cause muscular damage. And that all actually already happens after 10 kilometers because then you can already measure some uh, some cytokines in the blood that show that your muscles are damaged but this really increases with the distance uh and i'm not really sure how bad that is because your muscles are of course quite okay with yeah and i mean building back up but yeah exactly and i mean the entire for example to maybe look at a different type of exercise instead like uh weight training you also sort of just break your muscles so i guess you would also see uh those similar cytokines for example there um so but i'm not I'd... sure if a, if you already measured it after 10 kilometers of mm -hmm. running even in a trained person I, I i wonder if it might not be just a bit too much after a full marathon sure takes takes definitely some recovery time at least mm -hmm. also recovery time during training is is quite important of course yep and then one that I really, really wasn't expecting is that they measured in 82% of marathon runners uh, kidney damage signals after the run, after the marathon. Yes, acute kidney Ac damage. Acute kidney damage. Grade one. Yeah, and quite high levels also. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they sort of seem to recover after two days. Yeah, it does drop uh, quite... Uh, yeah, again, I think for that one, okay, the kidney damage is quite, uh, I also wasn't expecting that when I uh, was reading it. It uh... And it, of course, has to, do, has to do with that you need to drink enough, mm -hmm. which sometimes can get really diff difficult, but that you also should really, really make sure that you have some electrolytes. Uh, otherwise, you can also get this hyponatremia and uh, too low sodium and potassium. Mm -hmm. So you need to really get your, your gels and everything right. Yep which is a very important part of the, the marathon training and should definitely not be overlooked just because of this issue of the kidney damage. Mm -hmm. But they aren't really sure if, that, if you do this a lot in multiple marathons and you have this often, if this might also increase your chances of running into other problems maybe and then getting real kidney damage, long-lasting permanent kidney damage. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen anything about this? I haven't been able to find any papers that really looked at it, you know, for a longer period of time. Like if you get chronic kidney damage, for example. No, so. No, I also haven't seen in, for example, the papers about veteran runners that mm -hmm. have been running their whole life marathons already. Yeah. I haven't seen anything about about kidney damage or increased kidney damage in those. Yeah. So it, it seems to be a really acute thing just after a marathon mm -hmm. where your kidneys are just not not happy. They have get gotten too little blood during the running because your blood is sent to the more important organs like your muscles and your heart and not not to your kidney. Mm -hmm. And then you have sweat a lot and all this this fluid is gone. And um yeah, they're just they're not happy. 
Yeah, I do have to say, though, that I also came across another paper. Well, they still indicate this this acute kidney injury that you were talking about, mainly also with like the increased creatinine and creatine uh, kinase levels. But there they also talk, they reference that the paper, those are the original papers that look at acute kidney injury and those parameters. They do indicate that maybe some of them are a little bit exaggerated, though, because those initial papers don't correct for the fact that you also lose blood volume. But even after you, they corrected for blood volume, they still see this, you know, acute kidney injury happening. So there are papers that sort of look at the extremes, but that's most likely because they haven't corrected for the loss of blood volume as well. And But even if you do that, it's still not great, obviously. Yeah, it just doesn't sound like a very healthy thing to me. No, n- n- hearing about acute kidney injury doesn't sound good at, in general. No, no, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, in no. any context, no. So uh, make sure that you, you drink enough and that you get your electrolytes and everything. Mm-hmm. That if you, if you still, after all of these negatives, decide to still do a marathon, take good care of yourself. Yeah. And I think maybe it's also important to mention, like, uh, to come back to that initial idea of, like, people would think that by running a marathon, it actually helps with weight loss. With hyponatremia, that actually is associated with uh, weight gain, because what happens is that you sweat out a lot of fluid and you just drink a lot more water. And you basically just, you have less sodium now. So basically, you just keep retaining a lot more water. As you run, you just basically gain if you just keep drinking water instead of getting enough of the sodium or whatever electrolytes, then you just keep retaining water and you actually build up weight during that run. And I think it's also a little bit after the run, but I don't know if it's quote unquote long lasting like that. I need to double check hmm. that. But there is weight gain associated with hyponatremia. is what. But uh, temporary or... Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure about that. I, I didn't... Uh, yeah. Okay. And then we sort of are getting to my last point of the negatives Mm -hmm. which is in my mind quite a big one and it's more about the long-lasting effect of marathons so there were some indications that people that have run marathons their entire life multiple marathons in this case Mm -hmm. have been doing that had a higher chance of um, heart problems and heart disease and Mm -hmm. cardiovascular effects like a heart infarct that arrhythmias and also sudden death yeah and um a lot of the times, of course, you think that you're improving your heart health with, with running. So this, this, was, this was weird to me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, scientists have tried, been trying to figure this out. And they actually saw in uh, veteran athletes um, that they have a lot more calcifications in their heart, which is not good, of course. That doesn't sound healthy, but it basically is a sign that you had a lot of heart damage, damage yeah. that has been repaired. And also a lot more fibrosis than uh, normal, not veteran athletes, I guess, the, non, mm-hmm. the non-athlete type, um, which is also not a very good thing for your heart because it also shows that over time you had a lot of damage. And they actually looked in one study at 12 lifelong veteran athletes, and these were people that either had run more than 100 uh, marathons in their life mm-hmm. or were Olympians. So really, really high... Athletes, good the everyday trains. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the 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 Olympians, you know, the the mm-hmm. good ones, and they actually found in these twelve that six of them had uh, a real showed real uh, myocardial fibrosis, um, quite bad also, uh, and that four of these had that with 
really not a specific cause. Uh, probably the running, but you know, mm-hmm. it, not nothing shown to be ha- uh, happening. One had a previous myocarditis, and one already had uh, a silent myocardial infarction. And these were twelve people that showed no sick, uh, symptoms, didn't have any self-reported symptoms, but they fifty percent of them, six of them, did have heart damage that was shown on the MRI. MRI. Um, and compared to the age-med veterans and the young athletes. They had nothing. There was no person having this heart damage. And all the 50% of the athletes had that, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. And then especially in these people that were actually probably guided well and at least took this very seriously and trained well and did a lot for this. Mm-hmm. The they still, they still at this older age of 50 plus had, had heart damage. And also this calcification, that was another another article mm-hmm. uh, that really showed that, um, let me check, that veteran marathon runners had a, a higher coronary artery calcium scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might, might increase your risk of this coronary artery heart disease and everything. And since they also measured that in veteran marathon runners, that they have a chance of getting that, that is the, something I didn't really expect. I thought that being a marathon runner meant that you were healthier, but it does seem to have some long-lasting negative effects. Yeah, the one hundredth marathon and you know, training at the Olympic level uh, is that's uh, a that's a lot. But yeah. they also show that that you can also do your heart already damage like in the short run for and that it takes three months to recover. So I can totally imagine if you do that multiple times that you get you get this, you get mm-hmm. the fibrosis and you get the calcifications. Yeah. And then even when you are a well trained runner, you apparently still have this. Yeah. So. Don't do a marathon because you think it's healthy. No, indeed. Because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem to be. Yes. There are some healthy things that you can already gain, I think, with the shorter things, and you do the marathon only because you want to prove something to yourself. But be careful, be as healthy as you can be, um, and take good care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And also take into account that it's that it's not necessarily a healthy thing to do. No, indeed. I think maybe just to touch on someone, because that was your last That drawback. was my last one, yes. Yeah, maybe just to touch on the hyponatremia, just one last thing uh, about that. So the reason why the hyponatremia is also important is because if it keeps dropping, so uh, if you go as low as 120 millimoles per liter, that could lead to, yeah, central nervous system uh, symptoms like cerebral, cerebral edema. Uh, but also you can get respiratory failure and even death at a certain point if your uh, yeah, sodium levels drop below 110. So you really need to keep your electrolytes in balance during that entire marathon uh, mm-hmm. yeah, run. But also in, on top of that, and I think this wasn't really mentioned, and I also couldn't really find any good papers really describing this, but like because I guess overall in nutrition, it's kind of already known. Because f- with running a marathon your initial primary source of generating energy for that uh, marathon is glucose, is sugar. Mm-hmm. So you, what lots of runners often do right before a big run is carb load the day before, maybe the days before with like pasta or whatever. So they get enough yeah, glycogen stored up. So for their actual run, they have enough, they can make enough glucose to use that for energy. Sure. But you cannot carbo load your way through an entire marathon. No. That's impossible. So 
even for like a half marathon, you'll, you're going to need some gels. You're going to need some fluid. You're going to need something, some nutrition along the way. So hypoglycemia plays a big role in, uh, pops up quite often, I would say, in marathon running especially. And what happens there if you get hypoglycemic, you can faint. You can get maybe even seizures. So that also needs to be taken into account while you're drinking and trying to compensate your electrolyte and stuff like that, that you need to get. Yeah, you need to take it seriously. Yes. So you before doing a marathon, you need to get that nutrition like solid. That You need to have a solid plan for what you're going to be doing at, I don't know, every five kilometers or something to take some, get something in. And also, because if you don't train how you're going to eat or drink something during the entire marathon, you're going to have some bowel issues on the way that uh, probably aren't going to be pleasant. <laughs> so, yeah. Those were all your negatives, on top of mine, of course. Yeah. Well, it's we also, I do, I do have to say, like, I, I, there are very few studies that really indeed, like, compare what you said of uh, marathon runners versus, I don't know, ha like, maybe half marathons, we still came across a few, but not with, like, a 10K already or anything like that. Um, I did, however, come across a study that compared, like, the the amount, the risk of injury for novice runners versus more experienced slightly more experienced recreational runners and there they do show that the quote-unquote novice runners tend to be tend to have higher risk of injury i guess because you know maybe their form hasn't been optimized yet for running or less expensive shoes yeah they don't or they don't really yeah they don't maybe train as much that at least is what the main distinction was between the novice and the recreation uh, recreational runner mm -hmm. is that the recreational runner does at least 30 kilometers a week consistently for multiple weeks and has a marathon or two already under their belt versus the novice runner that is going to just do it for the first time and probably also drains less than that. So yeah, it is just something to keep in mind, like um, risk of injuries as well and how experienced you are. And I would say with a marathon, it just it's important to really take your time and build up to it and don't just jump in thinking, if I can do a marathon, then I'm healthy. Because it doesn't yes. work like that. that. That's just the wrong, horribly wrong approach to viewing a marathon. And you're going to have a bad time like that. Yeah. Well, my main surprise in all of this is mm -hmm. that, I mean, I knew that during the marathon, it's, it's hard. I mean, that you run the risk of dehydration and... Mm -hmm and like fainting from low like low glucose and that it's bad for your joints maybe and yeah. as you get injuries and losing toenails that that i knew mm -hmm. um the kidney damage is a bit surprising to me yeah and it's also still a little but, bit unclear about like how long that kidney yeah like, and what does what does it mean then yeah, and exactly. does it yeah but it does seem to resolve after two days but the the heart thing and your increased risk in later in life of of getting a heart arrest even mm -hmm. that was the really surprising thing to me yeah i thought i thought a marathon was a bit more healthy than it than it actually maybe is yeah yeah for me as well i guess i i knew indeed like what you said about like the quote-unquote the acute uh problems with the marathon but i i didn't really suspect that it would have those kinds of long-term potential drawbacks to it mm -hmm. so yeah well we learned the thing yes it's maybe not something you should do too often no 
I, I think it also depends like um, what I was trying to get at before is that people should really just, if, the, if they are determined to do a marathon, they really need to take their time and build up to it. Definitely. Like, like get as many data points as possible. Like do a 5K first. Maybe do, do multiple 5Ks. Uh, do multiple 10Ks, do multiple 16 kilometers or 10 miles, do some half marathon, see see how comfortable you get with different distances, build up your endurance, optimize your entire cardiovascular health and your joints and muscles, and then think about the marathon. Don't jump into it. Don't and be don't, a Fidipides. And don't do the marathon because you think it's healthy. No, it is definitely not healthy. It, it definitely, it's, it's the stress test. It's literally like, am I healthy? Do, did I survive a marathon? Like, it's more like that. Mm-hmm. It's not, it will not make you healthy. No. Well, I'm glad we agree on that at least. Yes. <laughs> so maybe some fun parts. Mm-hmm. I know that you were also interested in, in reading a bit more about Maybe improving your marathon yeah, through so, science? Yes. So actually, I, we tried a uh, Facebook poll in different running groups in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So we, initially, we were still wondering how we were going to do this episode, whether we're going to focus more on whether the marathon is actually healthy or if there are ways. Because I, since I'm going to be doing a marathon, was predominantly interested in, well, how can I be, do it better? You know, I only have so much time. Uh, what can I do to get better at it in that short amount of time? But yeah, most people, at least on that that Facebook running group, were interested in also like you uh, to find out is a marathon even healthy. But that didn't stop me from looking into <laughs> at least what was available regarding ways to try and optimize your running. I have to say, I didn't actually find that much. There are some things that are associated with improved overall marathon performance, but there, like for example. There's this one paper, it's a nature paper, where they looked at gut microbiota and they found that one specific type of bacteria in your gut was more prevalent in marathon runners versus non-runners. And that specific bacteria, what it does is that it, uh, normally when you run or you do in, like uh, any type of exercise, you can build up lactate and that gives that feeling of your muscles burning. But what this type of bacteria actually did was it's in the gut and it can take up that lactate and convert it into another type of uh, short-chain fatty acid called propionate. And then that can go back to your muscles and be used to generate more ATP, more energy for your exercising. So that was a rather interesting paper, but there's no way for you to actively... control how much of that bacteria you have it's just well, if they make probiotic at some point specifically for yeah runners. then you just try to target that one out of the thousands of different bacteria and well I mean, that's what they do right they, yeah. they just grow bacteria and then they try to put it in these drinks and try to get it into your gut alive which is difficult but, yeah. You know. yeah i mean it does need to get to your gut like alive but it's also that uh, so in this particular study they looked at this bacteria and if it was statistically significant in runners versus non-runners, but it wasn't. So it's just slightly elevated, but not statistically significant. But it does do this. It does have this effect. How how did they test that it does have this effect? So they used mice for this, where they uh, tried to transplant it into mice, and they saw that by transplanting it, these mice, uh, they (laughs) they did an entire treadmill test with these mice to see uh, how they performed on the treadmill. Uh, And they so they did an intrarectal 
pro they also tried an intrarectal propionate installation and compared it to just giving these mice sort of like uh, a saline solution. And they saw that just by giving the propionate, which this bacteria produces, produces yeah. it's, the, it's, I think, one of the only two or three bacteria that can produce this, that these mice, yeah, they, they could stay longer on the treadmill. And they also tried switching their fecal matter, so doing transplants like that. Mm -hmm. And the mice that had this bacteria versus the mice that didn't did better. And also by switching it, like giving poop without this bacteria, they, those same mice that did better initially did worse again. And the mice that did worse did better if they got the, the poop with the bacteria. Oh, that's actually quite funny. Yeah. So th this, this is one of those experiments. It's like, wow, this would be so cool. If, if I could it do it. If it would work in humans. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah. It's like the classical uh, situation where it works in mice, but now now the humans, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's they, interesting though. Yeah, so with this bacteria, it's called uh, Velonella atypica. Uh, and they actually used, they isolated this strain of bacteria from a marathon runner um, and then gave it to these mice. And on average, these mice ran like lasted thirteen percent longer than their control groups that didn't get that specific strain. So they got a different strain that doesn't have any beneficial effects. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. But yeah. there's no way to properly induce that in humans that you can sort of benefit from that. I would say. Hmm. Okay. Did come across a paper that indicated that marathon runners tend to be less depressive. <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah so okay well that's everything we want to discuss I yeah. think yeah I think so I think the main message is that marathons you shouldn't do them because they're healthy because they're not they are more of a thing to conquer mm -hmm. than, than, that, that, than that they're healthy Yes, yeah, it, right? it's sort of like a bucket list thing. It's like you're, you're, you might do it once, but, and there, apparently there are people who do it a hundred times. Damn. Yeah, but I would say, like to say to the people that do it more often, keep, keep an eye on things. Go mm -hmm. to a doctor once in a while. Let them check your heart. Yeah. Don't, don't just assume that you're healthy because you feel healthy because a lot of these veterans feel healthy. Don't have veteran runners. Feel healthy. Don't have any bad heart problems or whatever until they suddenly do mm -hmm. and yeah take it seriously yes and take your time building up to it like there's absolutely no reason to jump into a marathon just just take it easy you have time uh if you if of course if you want to do it just find a training plan that works for you build up to it and uh health take your health seriously and Put your health as your number one priority, not the marathon. Yes, indeed. That, that's good advice. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for uh, listening. If you want to reach out to us or comment on this episode or disagree with us, which is of course also allowed, um, you can find us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, um, and we have an email address, thestrugglingscientist at hotmail.com. Please reach out to us to. Um, let know what you think. Okay, thanks everybody for listening and see you next time. Bye. Bye.